Welcome to the Higher Learning Podcast with me, Oz Rashid. Our podcast focuses on the one thing every business leader must excel at when building a high-performance team, effective hiring. Identifying high performers that fit your team is not just an HR responsibility. It impacts every area of the business and all hiring leaders in your company. We're here to have an honest and entertaining conversation with different business leaders from a variety of industries to learn about new ways of identifying and engaging top talent in today's business environment. I'm your host, Oz Rashid. Welcome to Higher Learning. I am your host, Oz Rashid. Today, we have a very special guest, Tania Rivers, the Chief People Officer at Curaleaf. How are you doing, Tania? Hi, Oz. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here. Love your pod, and I'm excited for our conversation today. So grateful that you're here. I can't wait to get into it. I was doing a little research beforehand, as any good podcast host will do. Uh-oh. You had a pretty incredible <laughs> career. Yeah. <laughs> you had a pretty incredible career working with the Philadelphia 76ers, Curio Wellness, and now you're with Curaleaf. I believe you started there as the chief people officer six months ago? Almost six months. Almost. We're almost there. A little over five months. So, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what Curaleaf does and what drew you to the organization. Yep. So Curaleaf is one of the largest cannabis companies in the world. We have over 130 local dispensaries. We're in 22 different operating states. We have over 26 cultivating sites. We have over 6,000 employees. So I absolutely love this new company that I have joined. And I'll tell you that one of the reasons why I moved to cannabis, because I honestly believe in the power of the plant. It makes a difference. And there are so many people who really don't know about cannabis. They may have misconceptions about what it is, things that they've seen, and maybe not have experienced it personally. But I have, and it truly has changed my life. There was a time where I suffered from anxiety and insomnia really bad. There were times where I couldn't sleep at all. I was in and out of hospitals. I was going to these different headache centers to try to figure out why I was having migraines and why I couldn't sleep. And I was on so many different medications and nothing seemed to work. And I was, you know, introduced, became a patient with cannabis. And I'm happy to say I sleep like a baby. I now get, you know, seven, eight hours of sleep when I can. When I'm sometimes I'm busy, it's like we drop down to six. But there was a time where I couldn't even sleep an hour. So being able to have that solid sleep truly changed my life. So to be able to have the opportunity to do the great work that I love to do in the HR space and still do it for something that I stand behind that has really made a difference in my life, it's amazing. I love to hear that. There has been such a stigma around cannabis for many, many years. And There's really been a change in terms of how we view it and how the world views it. There's still a ways to go, but I think I saw something like 75% of the U.S. supports the legalization in full on a federal level. And it just goes to show that is so different than what it was 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And to your point, there's so many properties of it that can be so beneficial in so many ways. And so it's really a good thing to hear that something that you're that excited about and that Kira Leaf is doing something around kind of broadcasting that mission. I'm happy to to have our listeners and our audience hear that same thing, because I believe the same thing about you, that we've come a long way and it's great progress. I'm really interested, though. You came to Curaleaf and Uh it's a company that's been pretty established, as you mentioned, the size and scale of it. And I got to imagine a big part of the role as the chief people officer was to come in and look at the culture. So I'm interested, how much of the role do you see as supporting and maintaining what the culture had been prior to you coming? 
versus you being involved in some sort of transformation or adding new things to the culture for the company going forward? Sure. That's a great question. So some of the things that we've been doing great is we've been growing, right? Like we have been a company that's been growing and has been doing such a great job with building teams to support the growth of the organization. And that's been going great. And now that I'm here, it's like, okay, how do we take Pure Relief to the next level of excellence? What can we do to continue to improve our wonderful culture that we have here? And I'm excited about that work. And I think what's really exciting is right about the time when I came on board was the time that we named our new CEO, Matt Darren, who is fantastic. I am so proud to work for a CEO in Matt Darren that truly embraces culture. He cares about the culture. He wants us to be a place where our employees can thrive. So as we look ahead and the work and the journey that we're going to do in terms of culture, we want to be a great place to work. We want to be a place where we are known for having a culture where employees can be their most authentic selves and feel valued, appreciated, and supported. So I am so excited about where we're going to take our culture and we're going to be an employer of choice. Just watch out for us. That's the direction that we're headed in. I love it. What a fantastic answer. Culture is, I think if you ask the people who work here at our company, what our secret sauce is, a lot of them would point to culture. I'll tell you that I've been a little bit crazy about it. Even when we were only three people, I was thinking about scale and how do we keep what makes us special as we grow? Because as you know, as you get bigger and you have multiple offices and you're in different locations, that culture can be a lot harder to do versus when you have four or five people in, in one room. So I'm interested, how do you scale culture? What do you think are the most intentional things you can do to scale what keeps the company special? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, you have to have leaders that know how to inspire, motivate, and lead the team. Our leaders are responsible for so much. Those are the people who are on the ground, working side by side by our team members. They create the culture that they want to see within, whether it be in their respective stores and our operation facilities and our shared services, also known as corporate. Like we have to ensure that we have the right leaders and the right seats. And we have to continue to really lead and develop our leaders. So when we look at culture and you say, you know, you brought up having like, what's that secret sauce with culture is really having leaders that create an environment where our employees are engaged, where they can have a seat at the table, meaning that we provide them with a platform to just kind of have a voice and that we listen to them, we hear them, and we really work together collaboratively to continue to enhance our culture. You know, I was talking to a leader earlier today. He invited me to come talk to his team. They were asking me a lot of questions. And of course, culture was one of those questions. And I hear this all the time. They say, well, you know, T, who's responsible for culture? And I said, every single one of us that works in our organization is responsible for the culture that we want to see. But leaders are the people who are kind of driving that culture bus. And if we don't have the right leaders and all those other wonderful things that we want to do, it's going to be very challenging to accomplish those things without having the right leaders. I love that. I love that. You got me goosebumps talking about the culture. I'm, I'm going to oh, pull, yeah. pull down an application. I'm applying for Curely. Ah, it sounds like nice. an amazing place to work. I need someone on HR team. So let's make sure you apply for a role in I'm HR. In. Right after the podcast, I'll download an application for my resume. <laughs> All right. I got to ask you, 
in our brief kind of prep conversation, we kind of discussed the importance to you around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh, yeah. Not just paying lip service to it like so many companies do. Yes. What are some of the more effective strategies you've seen work when it comes to prioritizing DEI for your organization? Yeah. So I think like you, this is something that is really near and dear to my heart. And I want to share just a very short story Please. because I'll tell you why it's important. So if we look back 10 to 15 years, maybe 15 years ago, it's like, I don't want to date myself. I like the people think <laughs> I start to live my age, You're good. but you know, I've been in HR for over 25 years. So very early on in my career, you know, I worked for some really big companies and it was a place where I didn't feel like I fit in. And I spent most of my times in the bathroom stall and it wasn't to use the restroom. It was to cry because I felt alienated. I felt left out. I felt like it was a place that wasn't inclusive and it was hard for me to come to work every day. I remember that gut-wrenching feeling on a Sunday night when I knew I was getting prepared to go to work on Monday. I just remember feeling just so low. And a big part of that is I could not be who I wanted to be. You know, in fact, you know, if you can't see me, if you're listening, I have braids in my hair right now. I change my hair all the time. And I had braids at the time at this company that I was working for. And I was tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, T, we really like your hair straight. Please, you know, if you can not wear your hair braided, that would be helpful. And I'll never forget those words. Those words kind of never left me. And I said to myself that one day I want to lead my own HR department and be responsible for helping with culture at an organization and wherever that organization is, I'm going to be very certain that I create a culture where employees can be their most authentic selves. You know, as you talked about being very intentional and not just doing things to check a box. So sometimes companies are very hyper-focused on numbers to say, okay, I want to have X amount of this and X amount of that in my organization. And I think having numbers is real, like, and it's helpful, but at the same time is once you have those employees in your organization, is it a place where they can grow and they can thrive, where no matter who you are, what your race is, what ethnicity you are, who your life partner is, all, none of that matters is you matter. And is it a place where you can thrive because you just want to be yourself and feel supported? So that's my short story, but it's something that's really important to me. And I have to give a shout out to our employee resource groups at CureLeaf. They do a wonderful job. They really help create this environment and do a lot of different things to really help our team members feel supported no matter who they are. You know, I'm excited about a new initiative that we're going to roll out next year regarding our book club. We're going to share different books and different stories and kind of talk about books that kind of really help us better understand different topics that kind of fall under diversity, equity, and inclusion and kind of learn together as one strong, one curally family. Just excited about that work, but more importantly, it should be an environment where employees can be themselves no matter who they are and where they come from. The visual you gave when you were telling that story was so powerful and so impactful. And if you can't feel empathy and understand why diversity is important, why inclusion is important after hearing that, you know, I don't know if you have a soul. I don't know if you have a heart. And I got to tell you, yeah. I got to imagine it doesn't matter whether it's conscious, unconscious, intentional or unintentional. But did you feel in that organization that 
maybe they weren't prioritizing it, but did they just not realize how they were coming across with what they were doing? Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes our priorities might not be in the right place. You know, sometimes companies are hyper-focused on revenue and being a low-cost provider and doing all these different things that they can do within their organization and they forget about what matters most and it's people making sure that people, you know, when I think about people, they're the heartbeat of the organization. Without a heart, you can't live. And that's the same thing. It's the same analogy that we use with people in an organization as it relates to how we treat our human beings. And, you know, I don't know where they went wrong. I just know that it wasn't a priority. And I think sometimes it was early on too, where it wasn't like now, DEI is such a buzzword right now. 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't really a topic of discussion like it is now. So I do think that there definitely was opportunities from a learning perspective for that organization. But I also think that a lesson learned was making sure that our priorities are right when it comes to companies. Because yes, profitability, revenue, all those things are important in terms of overall growth. But if you put the focus on the people, all of those things will come, I promise you. But you have to focus on people and make sure that your employees are thriving and that they're engaged. That's what's really going to help your organization. I love that. And I also love the idea of a book club. We have one here at MSH. We're reading a book called The Culture Code right now. We have about 15 to 20 participants every other Friday where we jump in. There's a book that I want to, you might've read it, but I want to recommend it for what you're talking about. It's called Between the World and Me. By Ta-Nehisi Coates. So, so I read that good. a couple. Yeah, I read that a couple of years ago and really reframed my mind and gave me a lot of understanding and empathy for something that I hadn't really thought a ton about. So I don't know if that was on the list or not, but that was one I would recommend and throw out there if, if you're gonna. Add I it to love it. That's definitely on the top of my list. So I think again, it's never forgetting just the golden rule, and everything starts with respect, right? So when you think about the foundation of any relationship, it's respect. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that and sometimes intentional, sometimes not, that we're kind of all moving in a thousand different directions, but let's not lose our focus on our people and let's make sure that we understand that they are what matters most in terms of your organization. Now, I heard this, I don't know if you've heard this before, Oz, but I was at a conference and I was listening to a female CEO, very powerful I think that's when Dallas Marriage just hired their first female CEO, Cynthia. I just drawn a blank on her last name, but I'm sure you've heard this analogy before. Is they asked her, like, what is diversity and inclusion? And she said, you know, diversity is being asked to the party, and then inclusion is being asked to dance. And that's mm-hmm. how I think about it. So, how many times have you been to a party, you've been to a party, like a wallflower, like kind of standing there? You don't really feel like you're fitting in. No one's talking to you. You're not really enjoying the experience. And then people start engaging. You start dancing. You start vibing. You're having fun. That's what really DNI is all about. Yeah. And to carry on the analogy, that makes for a better party, right? Yeah. Everybody's enjoying themselves. You're having a good time. That's Everyone right. feels included. No one's up against the wall. I love that analogy. It's really great. It's something that over my career, I've always tried to put at the forefront. But there's been times too when I didn't realize that maybe I wasn't being as inclusive as possible. So something I think I've even matured in over time has made me a better leader. So yeah. And don't forget to be an ally. Like sometimes people don't realize that 
being an ally may not mean that someone needs to look like you or it could be someone totally different. It's just someone who's supporting you and kind of holding your hand and standing beside you. And the role of an ally is just so important, especially in this DEI space. So just remember that you can be very supportive of someone, maybe not share the same background and the same experiences, but united that you stand for a purpose. So there are times that we can all be better allies for each other. So think about that. Like, are you being an ally right now? And if you're not, can you? And if it's something that you should explore just to support someone who may look differently from you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously race, gender, and religion are one form of inclusion. The ones that I was thinking about in terms of some of the times that I've made missteps here with MSH might be people who are located in this office, people who are junior and want to be involved in leadership development programs and they were not asked for whatever reason. So inclusion is a broad-based thing that oh, yeah. you want to make sure it's really demotivating, no matter what your status, your race, or gender is, if you don't feel like you're included. And I think it's a great call out by you. And I think the best companies are the ones that have inclusion as a priority, make Absolutely. it a priority, and their leaders espouse it and are those allies that you talked about. So yeah, I think it's a great call out by you. So awesome. we talked about your career. I'm going to take a little bit on the personal side for a second before we get into Uh-oh. hiring questions. Well, you worked at the 76ers. You worked with the NBA for a while. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like you worked with the ownership of the of the 76ers. They had multiple teams, correct? Or Oh, yeah. So you're talking about the Umbrella Company, which is HBSC, yes. also known as Harris Blitzer Sports Blitzer. Entertainment. So right. they have properties under that umbrella, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Jersey Devils, the Prudential Center, which is Arena in Newark, New Jersey, you know, NBA 2K. So there's some other teams. So definitely was a fun ride. You know, I love sports. I grew up watching football with my dad, watching the Eagles. Go Eagles. We're 5-0, and by the way. For You just beat my favorite team last <laughs> week because my quarterback decided to slide in front of the first yard. First Without down. knowing that, but the whole time out thing, yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, listen, can I, can I say something for Kyler Murray? The stadium put first and 10. Okay. So in the moment, I understand why it happened, but I got to tell you, I love Philly because whenever yeah. you land and you get downtown, all the arenas are right there, right? You can see um, them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what the name of the football stadium is now. It's not the vet anymore. The Lincoln um, Financial. Lincoln Financial. Yeah. Been there for a Cardinals game. I got to be honest. I wore a big jacket over my Cardinals shirt, but you know what? They were really polite, really nice. I think some of the stigma you hear about be Philly careful. sports fans. Because that polite and nice can get a little. Hey, a little I was also <laughs> I was also mindful of what I said and how loud I cheered. OK, so I kept yeah. it. I kept it calm. What is your favorite team of all? And then who's your favorite athlete in Philly sports history? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, my gosh. Let me think about it. So team wise, the one okay. that you most so, want to win the championship. OK, so prior to because I think for those of you who kind of know my story, know that I have a son that plays in the NBA, right? So prior to my son being in the NBA, back in the day, growing up and watching sports with my father, I was a huge Philadelphia 76ers fan. And, you know, like, of course, changes are changes. Wait, hold on, hold on. I gotta gotta talk to my research team. Your (laughs) son is in the NBA. Who's your son? Mikel Bridges. He plays for the Phoenix Suns. He used to... Uh, he was, he went to Villanova. He had two national championships. Put you want to know something? Can I, can I talk, can I talk to you about something real quick? I got, I got to hold back. Okay. I got to hold back. I got to hold back. Okay. I'm a diehard Phoenix Suns fan. Die okay. hard. Okay. I was no. going to ask you if you worked with Mikhail Bridges' mom, because I'm very familiar with the story <laughs> of how he was drafted by the 76ers, 
put on the hat. Straight. Mikhail Bridges is your son? Yeah. Yeah. That's whoa, whoa, true. whoa, whoa, whoa. I am. Wow. 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 See, we got to talk about hiring now. I got to take a deep breath. Humongous <laughs> stunt man. I was at game six two years ago in Milwaukee. That's how Oh, I was there I too. Got COVID. That's a whole nother story with so many people. We got we to talk later. We're going to have an awesome <laughs> offline conversation. Wow. Okay. All right. But, but go sign. So Allen Iverson was one of my favorite players. Yep. Because he was he's gritty, very talented, but that grit that you look for and very scrappy. And I loved AI, but no doubt right now, my favorite player is Mikael Bridges. <laughs> Second in defensive player of the year. He's got that three and D game. Look at you your stats. There's more to the, his game than just three and D, though. I'm expecting a big jump from him this year and Aiton and Cam Johnson. Points up. That's right. Yeah, the Be aggressive twins. and you can share, but you can drive too. I love it. I Little love tips it. for I, mommy. Well, <laughs> you just you just won the award for podcast guest of the year. I'm so happy. Oh, yay! Uh, so I guess we got to talk about hiring, which I'm really excited to talk about. So let's oh, move yes. into that. You've been okay. involved in hundreds, if not thousands of hires throughout your career, I'm sure. Can you tell me if you have an overall interviewing or hiring philosophy? We're so, so times hyper-focused on really trying to understand like if this person is going to be a good fit for whatever the organization that we're interviewing for and we come, we're prepared. And so we just have to kind of take a step back and remember you were once a candidate. It can be very daunting. Not every single person is going to be great at interviewing and how can you really make it a more comfortable environment so that it's just a conversation. It's just two people talking about a position and we're trying to ascertain if this is going to be a good fit for the company and this is going to be a good fit for the individual who's applying for the job. So I think that as interviewers, we just have to remember that they are humans and you were once on the other side of the fence interviewing yourself. And let's try to be easy. You know, I'll tell you this, Oz, is that I hired someone before in the past, interviewed terribly. I felt bad because the person was just so nervous. You can hear the shaking in a person's voice. It was in-person interview. The hands were shaking. And I said, it's okay. Take a deep breath. I said, this is just two, let's say two friends having a conversation. I'm trying to figure out what you are passionate about so I can make sure that I set you up for success. And, you know, the person did calm down a little bit, but I had other people that by far practice and practice and practice and was the best interviewers ever. And guess what? I hired that person who maybe did not interview well, maybe had a hard time articulating their thoughts, but I can understand where that person was coming from. I saw the positions and the work and the accolades that that person was able to do at prior organizations, hire that person that to date, that person was one of the best hires that I've ever had before. So I say to you interviewers who are listening here is that you have to be creative. You have to figure out a way to tap into that candidate so you can understand their story and understand where they're coming from and what they can bring to the table and not just be this person who's like, they're taking a test. It's not an exam. It's a conversation. And we have to be very mindful of that. I love that. I think empathy is one of the most underrated business traits that you can have as a leader. Put yourself in the customer's shoes, put yourself in the candidate's shoes, put yourself yeah. in your employee's shoes. And I think what happens is that when you're a hiring manager, 
you know, you were talking about maybe forgetting what it's like to be on the other side. When you're a hiring manager, you get into this like factory type mindset of like, all right, I'm going to talk to 10 candidates and see 30 resumes. And I just got to go through the line and ask my questions and check off the boxes. And then when you flip it back on the other side and you think about maybe somebody's been laid off, maybe somebody's in a job where they don't feel very good. Like you were talking about, you know, and they're in the bathroom and they're upset. Maybe they're really wanting this dream job. And yet you're treating it like a transaction. You're treating it like a, a printing press type situation. And they're looking at it and saying, this is my one opportunity to get the role I really want or work for a company I really want. And I think if more hiring managers understood that perspective and treated each individual from that perspective, well, candidate experience would be so much better. So yeah. I totally agree with you. And I've had times where I've interviewed somebody and somebody else on our team has interviewed them and they'll give feedback that you can tell it's about, well, they were talking really fast or they were really jittery. And it's like, hold on. That's nerves. That's not behavior. That's not capability. That's not yeah, competency. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a wonderful call out from you. Having um, that empathy and that compassion 100%. can really go a long way. And it's up to us to kind of set the tone. Set a and good by the way, isn't that someone you want to work for? Somebody who shows that empathy, somebody who shows that compassion. That's a good sign of who they're going to be as a leader, right? Absolutely. 100% in agreement with you. This episode is brought to you by MSH. MSH is an innovative professional services and SaaS organization serving customers ranging from startups to the Fortune 100. A truly global company operating in more than 35 markets across three different continents, MSH partners with their customers to build the teams that solve their biggest and most complex business challenges. Find out more at talentmsh.com. All right, so do you have a a memorable interview, maybe bad or good. You don't got to name names. Maybe you were <laughs> interviewing for a role or somebody was interviewing you that you can share with us. Oh my goodness. First of all, I just thought it was flat out weird. So I go into a room and it's empty and I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, I was told to go down the hallway, make a left, whatever, go into the room. I sit down. The interviewer comes in. I'm sure he just learned some tactic that he heard that it would work. It was just dumb. And he asked me to open the window and I went over it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is so weird. So I went in and, and, but the window went and open. So I didn't fuss around with it. One, because I just felt like it was very weird. And then two, I clearly wasn't open. So I came down, I sat down and I said, I don't know if you realize what the window didn't open. And the gentleman started laughing. He was like, oh, you know, that's just a little tactic we do. And he went on to explain why and how sometimes people take a long time to open a window. He wants to see how people think and what they're, I mean, I just thought that it was like, hey, people, let's make sure that we're really asking questions that's going to help us better understand what we're looking to achieve, not doing these silly little stunts. <laughs> to make people get off kilter. And it just didn't make sense to me. So it was the oddest, weirdest experience I've ever had that I'll never forget. I, Open the window. So I, weird. Were they hiring you to be a professional window opener? Like, yeah. I'm not even sure how that applies. No, it was like um, an employee relations manager position. Yeah, I have one story of a client, no, not naming any names, pretty high level in a company. And he would interview candidates and he would pull up a picture of a wolf and say, what does this make you feel like? What are you thinking when you see this? And, <laughs> oh my gosh. and I remember we had candidates say, I, I didn't really know how to respond to that. And so sometimes, like you said, people are just trying to pull stunts or they're trying to yeah. put you on your feet. I think yeah. there's ways of doing that without necessarily putting you through some sort of like physical activity, like opening a window. So yeah, that is 
so silly. So you didn't take that job? Make sure it's meaningful. No, I just was like, I don't want to work for someone like that. I don't work for a company. It's just very weird. I think I knew the answer. I think I knew the answer. I ran out of there. (laughs) Not through the window, though. Um, (laughs) Do you have a favorite question you love to ask? It really depends. So the questions are really going to be based on the role, of course. But of course, I like those behavioral-based questions. So kind of tell me about a time and you share an experience just so I can see. So we can talk about how people think and how they apply logic. Like that's a wonderful way and to really find that out. So I just love kind of asking those behavioral-based questions to really understand and, you know, to someone to kind of walk me through with the experience. So like, for example, if I'm looking for, you know, I just hired a VP of learning and development, really excited about that position. So shout out to Tashina. Can't wait for you to start. She's going to be building out development plans and learning paths. So I really wanted to understand what she's done in the past. So I said, you know, walk me through the process of how you create learning paths and career paths for employees and talk about the ROI that you had within the organization. So very looking for very specific terms. You know, it's not something that people can just make up. Like you really have to speak to experience. And that's when I'm really looking to kind of learn more about during that conversation. I really love that. We all make mistakes when it comes to hiring. We've all made decisions that we look back on and reflect on. When you miss, why did you typically miss? So listen, I have to tell you something. You've heard this before, that sometimes when people go to interviews, they don't bring themselves, they bring their representatives. Mm. So because you're interviewing with their representative, a representative doesn't last too long. The representative has an expiration period, and that's usually right around 90 days where you Mm. get to really meet the true person. I've definitely made misses myself and hiring the wrong people for sure. And I think it's a combination of me just not vetting the person the right way. It's the opportunity of me not doing enough, you know, of my own due diligence in terms of ensuring that it's a good fit and not just, you know, maybe I'm so hyper-focused on the role, but I forget to focus on culture and ensuring that this person fits within, kind of live out the values. So I've kind of learned that over time, that it's not just understanding, you know, the classic, does the person have those KSAs, those knowledge, skills, and abilities to do the job, but does that person really live out the core values that we're looking to see? Is that person humble, hungry, and smart? Is that person a great team player? Does that person believe in treating people with respect? All those things that we need to really focus on. And I've definitely have hired what they call talented jerks is someone who could be really good at a function, but not be very respectful in treating others well. And, you know, that's something that I really try to shy away from. I want to get to know the person as a person and really figure out who they are, how they treat others, opposed to can they just do the job? Yeah, sure. You're going to find some folks that can do the job, but how do they treat people? Yeah, I've said to our team, more than once, watch me walk out high producing assholes. Like you have to, you know, results are important. High performance is important, but so is being a good person. So is living our values. That's right. So is somebody that other people want to work with because as much as you might be contributing to the bottom line, if you're taking away from people's enjoyment and inclusion and engagement in work, 
the financial repercussions on that are way more than anything that they can be bringing from a sales or revenue perspective. So totally yeah. aligned with you on that. I love the representation analogy. 90 <laughs> days. I've had some people that couldn't go 24 hours. Of the job, and I was like, oh, that's <laughs> Who not are you? Hiring. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Last question about hiring candidate okay. experience. It sounds like it's something that's really important to you. I'm interested as much as we don't want opening windows and things like that. Sometimes the standard Q and A sitting across from each other can leave a little bit to be desired too. Is there anything that you try to do from a candidate experience perspective or things that you want to do at CureLeaf to show a representative perception of what the company's like and what working there is like? One of the things that I do is I get out, like I have this saying that you can't change culture behind a desk. So I try to be very intentional about getting out on the ground, meeting our team members who kind of work in our facilities, work in our retail stores, and really having them kind of meet and greet and kind of know who I am as, you know, the head of people and culture. And it's really good for me to get out there. And I was visiting a site yesterday and one of the site directors said to me, you know, talking about interviewing and having these hiring events, I said, listen, what I think is really helpful is for individuals to have an understanding of a real, realistic job preview, right? So let's bring them out and have them talk to team members. So not just doing that standard one hour interview where you're asking them a series of questions, but after that interview, give them a tour of the facility that they're going to be working for. Let's say they're working in packaging and our processing rooms, have them go in and watch and see what that looks like. Give them a little time to do some meet and greets with the people who are going to be potentially on their team so they can ask questions of what it is like working for here and ask very specific questions about the role. But let them be upfront and personal so they can see what it is. Is it an on-site role? Is it a production facility? Let them see the people and meet the people they're going to be potentially be working with. And then more importantly, which I think is important, is really having an understanding of the leader that that person is going to be working for. You've heard it all the time that people leave jobs, you know, they leave companies, they leave leaders and leave toxic cultures. And it's so important for employees to really understand and candidates to understand the type of leaders they're going to be working for. So what's your leadership style? How do you lead, inspire, motivate a team? So for those of you, when you're interviewing, make sure that you come prepared to ask really good questions. And a good, let's say two to three of those questions need to be about the leader that you're going to be, the potential new leader that you're going to have. You really need to understand if it's going to be a good fit with you and that leader, because just because a leader may be great at one thing, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right leader for you. So ensure that you're doing your due diligence to get the right leader because a leader can make or break a job. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is it's fit, right? It's just like a relationship, right? Like I might think I'm a great guy, but that doesn't mean I'm right for every woman out there. I think I'm right for my wife, but that's a fit thing, right? And it's the same thing with companies, right? Like it's not bad or good as much as is what's important to you. Is that important to this company? And do you get that? Right. And so I think it's a great call out. I'm going to be doing a talk at Vanderbilt in a month around how students should be interviewing their employer, especially that first job out of college. That's going to set the model for you at the end of the day of what you come to expect for your future jobs. And so I think that understanding of that fit and making sure that it's right for you, so key. So I think it's a great call out by you. Thank you. You got it. What are you working on right now that you're really excited about? Oh, so many different things. So as I look ahead, it's funny because I just came back 
for my offsite with my team and we spent some time together. So when I look at some of the priorities for next year, is there a lot we're going to be doing around enhancing the candidate experience, revamping our onboarding program. I'm really excited that we're going to be introducing our culture committees and our culture ambassadors. So those are going to be the people who are on the ground in different departments and different levels that can really participate in our culture committee to tell us like what's working, what can we do better, and really being the person on the ground to help address things that impact our culture in real time. I'm also excited that we're going to be recognizing our celebrating employees' birthdays and anniversaries next year. I gave a shout out to Dashina already, my new VP of Learning and Development. And I'm excited about the work she's going to do so that every single employee, when they join our organization, they'll be equipped with having learning paths and career paths. So that way they can see that they don't just have a job with Curaleaf, they have a career. So for her working on that, I can't wait to lift that. That's going to be really exciting. And for team members at Curaleaf, so they can see our trajectory in our roles, that's going to be fantastic. I love that. How exciting. I've been asking people, what is a day in the life of your job like? But everybody at this level comes back and says meetings, calls, and not very fun stuff. So I want to ask you this. You've been at Curaleaf close to six months now. You're in a role where you really have got to do a lot of assessment and kind of learn what's in place, what's working, what's not. What was your process like with that? Like, did you go on a road show? Did you like try to yeah. meet with as many people as possible? Like, help me understand how you got to learn the company. Well, before I start a role, I put together a 90, 100 day plan where I kind of outline some priorities based on those conversations that I had with the leader. So prior to coming on board, I provided Curaleaf with a 100 day plan on some of the things I wanted to accomplish based on conversations that we've had. And it was a working document between me and my leader. And we kind of worked on that together. So that's, you know, one of the things that we do is I kind of prepare to go into an organization so that I can make sure that we are aligned with those initiatives. So was really excited about that. And now it's starting to really just breathe life into those things. And for me to be able to see those things come to fruition and we continue to kind of grow in those areas, I mean, it's exciting. It's been an amazing almost six months but yet there's still so much more to come. Like I'm just getting started, right? Like, so there are so many more things that I want to do within this space to continue to kind of help our culture and help us. Again, I am coming after being a best place to work and I want to be, and we want to be an employer of choice. So that's my mission. That's my goal. That's where I'm headed. But again, one day does never look the same, right? Like, you know, a lot of times, yes, I'm going to sound like other senior executives and I hate to be redundant, but yes, there's a lot of meetings. There's also a lot of coaching. Although I'm a certified executive coach, I also believe that you have to give feedback and people in real time. And I never should stop being a coach. I should never stop being a business partner. So although I'm in the C-suite role, I report to the CEO, one of my roles as a CPO is to be a good strategic advisor to my CEO. You know, that's conversations. He actually just called me when I was on the call. So I was like, uh-oh, I call him back and tell him I was on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, having those conversations, coaching my business partners, partnering, collaborating, and really trying to lift so many amazing initiatives. When we talk about having this great culture that we really focused on the duration of our conversation, 
is you want to get to the culture. We all have to be kind of rowing in the same direction and working cohesively as a team. I really love that. All right. Now you got to get back. So I'm going to give you two more questions. Okay. Okay. First one is we go on LinkedIn. We like to find an old post. And so the post that I found, which all of a sudden makes a lot more sense was around your podcast, tipping the scales. And you were joined by Jay Wright, former oh, yeah. head basketball coach at Villanova. Yeah. Tell me about the podcast. What's it about? And in particular, was that a good interview? Yes. Yeah, so I have a podcast with my co-host, Shay Dawson. Shout out to Shay. She's amazing. We have a podcast called Tip It and Scales, where it's a lifestyle pod. So we talk about everything from love to career, to sports. And we had Jay right on. Actually, he's one of my favorite guests outside of Mikhail. Probably one um, of the most well-dressed people in the world. Oh, I mean, suit game is fire. Incredible, okay. Incredible. But I actually made Jay Wright cry. So for those of you who are Jay Wright fans, please go listen to Tip in the Scales wherever you get your podcast and specifically listen to the one with Jay Wright. You have to find out more. I won't give it away, but all I can say is I made him cry and that's not easy to do. <laughs> that was a professional tease. I'm going to go download that right <laughs> after this and listen to this. That was awesome. I cannot wait. All right, last question. And this is probably my favorite question I ask. If you had the opportunity to amplify one bit of career advice that maybe you didn't have early on in your career, but that you know now for any of our younger listeners or listeners on their way up, what would it be? That's a hard one. I have so many. Let me see. Okay. If I had to choose one, I would say never change the authenticity of who you are Mm. for anyone or for any reason. Like you are who you are for a reason. You're unique. You're special, you're talented, and don't ever change who you are for anyone or any company. And I've done that in so many different ways, whether it was about me trying to fit in or wanted to fit into a team to wanting to be acknowledged a certain way. And I tried to change who I was. And I've learned the hard way is that I am special for who I am as Tania. And I'm not going to compromise who I am for anyone. I love that. Yeah. Tania, I am so grateful for you coming on. Transformational HR executive, mother of two-time national champion and future finals MVP, Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. Excellent podcast host. I got to tell you, (laughs) thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us. Really appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Oz. Thank you for having me. And you're doing great things with your pod. It's exciting. It's helpful. People need to hear it. And it's just so supportive. So those of you who are listening, check out Higher Learning. You'll be able to see so many different things and and really be enlightened. So thank you for having Uh, me. Thank you for all that you do. I appreciate you. Talk to you later. Thanks. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Higher Learning with me, Oz Rashid. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.